You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. There was an article appeared in the BBC website a few weeks back with the title 13 Proverbs and Quotes to Help You in Times of Need. So out of interest, I had a wee look to see well, I wonder what, which proverbs and quotes they've put down in, the, in their list here. What do they think would be especially helpful for someone in a time of need? Well, you had ones from poets. You had ones from Arabia, from Chinese proverbs, German proverbs. You had one from Plato, a couple from Buddha. But lo and behold, there were none from the Bible. None of the proverbs in God's words made it into this list of 13 Uh, apparently helpful uh, proverbs and quotes to help us in time of need. Why do I I tell tell you this? Well, it's mainly to illustrate the fact that when when it comes to seeking wisdom, people can, can go searching in all different kinds of places, all different kinds of places where it is believed that wisdom might come or might be found. But what does true wisdom look like? Or if I were to ask you the characteristics of a wise person, what would you say? What is it that makes someone wise? What is it that marks them out as being wise? Maybe it would be somebody you would go to for advice. Somebody you would trust to give you helpful advice when facing a difficult decision. Maybe it's somebody who more often than not you know will say something worth hearing, something worth listening to. They're the kind of things maybe we look for. But how does someone become wise? Are we, are some people naturally born with wisdom and others not? Or is there more to it than that? Is it something we can develop? Is it something we can grow in? In Luke 2, we can read a short snippet, at the end of Luke 2, a short snippet about the the childhood or the youth of Jesus. And we're told that not only did Jesus grow in stature, but he also grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom. So the question is, if Jesus grew in wisdom, that in his humanity, as well as his divinity, if Jesus, as a human, grew in wisdom, then How can we grow in wisdom as well? What can we learn to help us grow in wisdom? How can we be those who know the right decision to make? How can we be those who maybe give good advice to others? How can we be be those who live with God-given wisdom and grow in wisdom? Well, to help us think about this, I want to look at this passage in Proverbs here. Proverbs, along with Job and Ecclesiastes, is one of the three books of wisdom in the Old Testament. You've all different kind of genres. You've got books of law, prophecy, history, uh, and so on. But Proverbs is one of the three main books of wisdom. Now, of course, there's wisdom throughout Scripture, but in particular, it's regarded as one of the books of wisdom. And we can see that one of the expressed purposes of this book is to help us obtain wisdom and discipline. Verse 2 there, 
That's why the book was written. It was written, as we can see, by Solomon, a man widely regarded as one of the wisest men who ever lived. We can see this in 1 John 4. There we can read that God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight. Also that his wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the East and of Egypt, and that men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Solomon was a man of wisdom. And here in the book of Proverbs, we have much of his wisdom put down on paper. He himself was the author of many of the Proverbs, and the ones that he wasn't the author of, he oversaw the fact that they went in the book as well. Now, when we think of Proverbs, we often think of wise sayings. And yes, there are that. And the book of Proverbs has many of them. But in fact, the main section of the wise sayings, so to speak, doesn't really start until kind of chapter 10 onwards. Here in the opening nine chapters, we have what's really an introduction to that. An introduction that comes in this form of an invitation from a father to a son. An invitation encouraging the son to follow the way of wisdom and to pursue wisdom. These seven verses we've read today are really an introduction to that introduction. An introduction to the opening chapters and the book as a whole. An introduction that tells us who wrote the book, what the purpose of the book is, and what the core teaching of the book is. A core teaching perhaps best summed up for us in one key verse, which we read there in verse 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. We'll come in a few minutes to what the Bible means by the fear of the Lord. But for now, I just want to define wisdom and then the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Two words we see closely tied together within the book. Often we think of knowledge uh, as knowing things, as knowing things in our heads. But in Proverbs here, knowledge is defined slightly differently. It's not simply knowing things, but it's developing a correct understanding of the world in which we live. Developing a correct understanding of the world in which we live. Then wisdom is the acquired skill of applying that knowledge rightly. It's developing the ability to make godly choices in life. Or if I can put it like this, it's beginning to think more and more the way God thinks. It's beginning to more and more make the decisions God would have us make. Sometimes decisions for us are obvious Sometimes they're black and white, right and wrong, but often they're not. And this is where wisdom steps in, helping us to make those decisions and maybe help others make those decisions as well. Something else we see in the book is that wisdom isn't some kind of impersonal force, but it's an attribute of God himself. And the true wisdom and growth and true wisdom comes only from knowing and growing in a knowledge of the Lord. So that's an introduction to what I'm going to look at tonight. And I want to look at, I suppose, 
a couple of main things. We've seen verse 1 that Solomon's the author. Then I want to look at the rest of this, these seven verses in two real sections. First, first of all, verses 2 to 6, which are the means of growing in wisdom. And then verse 7, the starting point for growing in wisdom. So firstly, verses 2 to 6, the means for growing in wisdom. And what I want to see here is a number of different things we learn about wisdom that are important for us if we're going to grow in wisdom, important for us to understand. And the first thing we see is the need to approach life with the right attitude or the right posture or or to approach um, seeking wisdom with the right attitude. Because what we see here is an attitude of of humility, an attitude of recognizing our, our need William Wordsworth, the English poet of the late 18th and 19th centuries, said this, Wisdom is oftentimes nearer when we stoop than when we soar. Wisdom is oftentimes nearer when we stoop than when we soar. What's he saying there? He's saying we need to humble ourselves if we're going to grow in wisdom. We need to be open uh, to our need of wisdom. We need to be teachable, if we can put it like that, and recognize our need of help. James said this in his letter to the church in James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. I've often wondered if James had his tongue in his cheek when he wrote that. If any of you lacks wisdom. We all lack wisdom. No one other than Jesus this side of eternity has ever reached the point of of true, complete wisdom. We all lack wisdom. And we've a need to become those who grow in wisdom, who become more wise. And we need to realize this. We need this realization that causes us to bow before the Lord, that causes us to humble ourselves before Him in seeking to attain, acquire, understand, and listen. All these words we see here, we need to be open and teachable if we're to grow in wisdom. But then also we see that growth in wisdom is ongoing, but it's not automatic. It's ongoing, but it's not automatic. Look at the words here as we look through it. Attaining, understanding, acquiring, doing, giving. They're all words that are doing words that are ongoing words in a sense. He doesn't say attained wisdom or acquired understanding or understood. They're ongoing words. Growth in wisdom has to be an ongoing thing. We don't reach a point where we've attained all the wisdom we can, but it has to be ongoing. It has to be a continual process. It's like growth in Christ-likeness, which is obviously along the same lines. Second Corinthians three eighteen, we read this. And we who with, who with unveiled faces all contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. How are we transformed into the, in, into the likeness of Christ? It's as we contemplate him and go on contemplating him as we look in his word and see him and continue to bow before him in repentance and faith. It's an ongoing process. 
It's ongoing, but it's not automatic. It only happens as we give ourselves to it. We only grow in wisdom as we give ourselves to it. It's not a matter of sitting back and allowing it to happen automatically. We need to read God's Word. We need to read these Proverbs. We need to reflect on them. We need to repent in the light of them. We need to pray God's wisdom into our hearts and into our lives. We need to apply what we read here and do it and learn from it. It's ongoing, but it's not automatic. We need to give ourselves to growing in wisdom. Then the next thing we see is that we can grow in wisdom at all ages and stages of life, verses 4 and 5. We see here giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. In verse 5, we read of the wise and the discerning. So we have both ends of a spectrum here. We have at one end, we have the young and the simple, and at the other end, you have the wise and the discerning. But whatever stage they're at there, whatever stage on the spectrum, we can grow in wisdom. I lived in Glasgow for a couple of years. Uh, I was doing a Bible training course there, and uh, I was assigned to a couple of churches there as part of that. And I remember we were running a Discipleship Explored course in the church. Uh, and one of the ladies who came along said to me she'd invited her friend to come as well. And her friend had said to her, why would I want to go to that? What more could I learn about the Bible? I've been coming to this church for 70 years. I've already heard it all. I don't need to learn anything more. She was thinking she'd reached the point of, of complete understanding, that she'd heard all the Bible had to say, she could learn nothing more from it, and that that was it. She didn't realize that as it says here, whatever stage we're at, we can grow in wisdom. We need to grow in wisdom and Christ-likeness. You know, even if we are amongst the few who would be classified as wise and discerning, we can grow. The wise can listen and add to their learning. The discerning can get guidance. And for those who are young in the faith, those who are simple in the sense of and when use of the word simple here, it means those who are yet to come to trust in, in the Lord. You know, people at that stage obviously can grow in wisdom, but also those at this end of the spectrum as well. Whatever age we're at, whatever stage we're at in our walk with the Lord, we can and we must grow in wisdom. Then the next thing we see is that wisdom comes from studying the right material. We see the right material here. We see discipline spoken of. We see words of insight. We see the Proverbs set before us. A book I started reading recently is called The Wisdom Pyramid, and it's based upon, in some ways, the food pyramid. So, you know, the food pyramid uh, tells you what you should eat and in what proportions. So, at the bottom, you have things like vegetables, and at the top, you've got cake and biscuits and things, and you should eat a higher proportion of vegetables and fruit and so on than cake and biscuits. But sometimes we get the proportions kind of upside down, don't we? Maybe the vegetables get kind of squeezed out in some ways. The fruit gets squeezed out. Uh, it's easier maybe to pick up a biscuit and just have that instead. And we get the proportions all wrong. 
Well, in this book, The Wisdom Pyramid, the author says exactly the same when it comes to us and our learning and our intake of information. Information is, bombards us from so many places, he says, doesn't it? Whether it's the internet or, or the TV or the radio or social media or newspapers, wherever it is, information comes from all kinds of places. And we can easily allow that to become the bottom of our pyramid, the largest area of our pyramid, to the point that the Bible and God's Word gets squeezed up to the top. And in the book, he says, we need to turn that around. We need to turn that around. We need God's Word to be guiding our thinking. We need God's Word to be filling our minds, filling our thoughts. If we are to be growing in wisdom, we need that at the bottom of the pyramid, don't we? We need to be the base that is the greatest bulk of our intake of information so that it guides us in all we think and, and all we say, so that it provides us with the wisdom held out to us. We can grow in wisdom, and that's the means of it. But then also then we see the starting point for growing in wisdom, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. People have all kinds of fears, don't they? Whether it be heights or public speaking or spiders or snakes or mice or flying or clowns, all these kind of things people have phobias of. So it can seem strange when we're told to fear the Lord, can't it? Especially when we think about how in the Bible we're often told not to be afraid. We think of, of Jesus saying to people, don't be afraid. Or the angel saying, don't be afraid. So how then do we measure up to being told not to be afraid with the fear of the Lord? What is the fear of the Lord? Well, I think we can put it like this. That it's true reverence, awe, and honor given to an all-powerful yet loving God. It's humble reverent submission to the Lord as God. Tim Keller has said this, that to fear the Lord biblically means to be in awe and wonder of his greatness and love. That's what it looks like. But how do we understand that? What does it actually mean? Well, to illustrate that, I'm going to use a picture of the sea. A lot of us might be going in the sea in these coming weeks, maybe up at the north coast. Uh, and yet we know that when we go into the sea, especially up in the north coast, where there's undercurrents, strong currents, we don't do that carelessly. We don't do it thoughtlessly. Yes, we enjoy the sea, but we need to show it respect, don't we? Well, we don't approach the Lord thoughtlessly or carelessly. If we show respect to the sea when we go into it, how much more should we show respect to the one who made the sea? How much more should we approach the Lord with care and with thought? We don't go in any goodness of our own. But the only way we can, in and through the blood of Jesus shed for us on the cross, that's the only way we can come to God. And it's through Christ that we come fearing the Lord, bowing before Him, submitting ourselves to Him, honoring Him, respecting Him for who He is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Everyone 
at some point needs a new beginning with the Lord, don't they? We need the new beginning that comes through putting our faith in the Lord Jesus. And this is the starting point for true wisdom. It's the starting point for true life. It's only by coming to the Lord through Christ that we attain knowledge, that we attain wisdom, that we attain life. If we're to come to a place of growing in wisdom, then we need to know the one who is the, the only wise God. We need to know the one who's the true source of all light and truth and wisdom. And that's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the doorway to wisdom, but also the pathway. It's a starting point, but it's also the truth that keeps us on track. It's only through humbly, reverently coming to God and His Word that we're led to this new understanding, a deeper understanding, deeper insight, deeper knowledge and wisdom of the Lord and His Word and His ways. You know, this passage leaves us with, I think, a couple of challenges tonight. A couple of challenges. The first one is to ask ourselves, or to ask yourself and read, what are you, ask yourself, what are you doing to help yourself grow in wisdom this summer or this year? Maybe you've come to the place where you feel like you've reached a plateau in your Christian growth. The place where you don't feel you know the Lord any more now than you did this time last year or even this time five years ago. Have you reached that plateau? As the passage tells us here, growth is for all ages and stages. We needn't think I've reached a plateau and that's it. There's growth to be had in the grace of God. You see, the growth is ongoing, but it's not automatic. It needs us to have the right attitude, the right posture, to be studying the right things. So the challenge is, are you growing in wisdom? And what are you doing to grow in wisdom? But alongside that, then, there's another challenge. And it's a challenge we see here in verse 7. We see on one hand, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But on the other hand, fools despising wisdom and discipline. Two opposites, don't we? We have those who are wise... Uh, seeking knowledge, fearing the Lord, than those who are despising wisdom and discipline. And when it speaks here of fools, it's not a person of low IQ, but it's a person who has rejected the Lord uh, and His ways. You know, in many ways, this verse, I think, is a reflection of Psalm 1. There in Psalm 1, we have the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, but also then the wicked who, re who reject God. It's also a reflection there of Matthew 7, the wise man and the foolish man. There are three passages, but all with the same challenge that forces us to ask ourselves, am I walking in the way of wisdom? Am I on the path that the Lord is leading me to? Am I, leading, am I walking in the path that leads to wisdom? Am I walking in the path that leads to eternal life? Or am I just doing things my way? Have I rejected the Lord? Have I sidelined the Lord? Have I said, no, Lord, 
I'm fine without you. Are you on the path the Lord has set for us? Do you fear the Lord? Have you trusted in Christ and come to the Lord through Him? It's the starting point. It's the beginning of knowledge. But it's the starting point and the beginning of new life. Are you on the right path? The path which leads to growth. The path which leads us to see the Lord's work in us. That leads us to recognize the Lord's hand on us. Are you in the path that means that more and more your words, your thoughts, your attitudes reflect those of the Lord? Does your thinking more closely line up with the Lord's thinking than it does in the than it did in the past? Are you in that path of growth? It's the Lord's wisdom in your words, your hearts, your lives. For it to happen, we need to be stooping before him, humbling ourselves before him and his word. It's the way which leads us to the wisdom that comes from heaven. As James puts it, and with this I finish, the wisdom that's pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's the Lord's wisdom. May we all grow in it and show it to his glory and praise. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you.